0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how Moses was educated, trained, but wasn't ready to lead until he led the flock on the backside of the desert. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor with our teaching.
1: Hello, I'd like to welcome you again today as we continue in our study in the book of Exodus. Let's first start by prayer. Father, thank you so much for being with us today as we open your book we thank you, Lord, that we are not alone as we study, because you've promised, Lord, that if we open our hearts, you will teach us. And so, Lord, as best we can today, we open our hearts to you and ask you to teach us. And thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you please follow along as I read in Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. Exodus two twenty-three. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God even to Horeb and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush and he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed now We saw from our last study how this new section in Moses' life really started in the verse we just read, verse 23. A very important verse where it talks about the process of time. It came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came unto God by reason of the bondage. In the Hebrew, that phrase, the process of time, literally means after many days, As a matter of fact, it was after 40 years, which makes over 14,000 days. That is many days. And that's what's referred to there. So Moses has been here where we find him in the land of Midian for over 14,000 days. And during those 14,000 days, God was doing a work in Moses, a work inside of Moses. And that's what we're going to study today. Now, those 14,000 days are over, where we are right now, and brings us now to chapter three, verse one, where God now puts Moses' life for us in focus. It's after the 14,000 days, and God has focused us now on Moses in the land of Midian. And chapter three, verse one, it speaks about this time after the 14,000 days, where it says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock. To the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So, the scene that we have captured for us here in the words of verse 1 is where it starts off with this very important words now, now Moses kept the flock. Of Jethro. That's the important word now. It's so abrupt because it's expressing that now as opposed to then or as opposed to before. Before Moses was in the palace of Egypt, but now he's not in the palace of Egypt and he hasn't been in the palace of Egypt for 40 years and the scene is so different and that's where the word now really expresses that to us. So look with me as we walk slowly through these words of verse 1 and pause to let the full impact of the now, of the Moses life now sink in. So the verse says, now Moses kept the flock of God. What a step down from being the prince of Egypt. What a step down from having the title of the son of Pharaoh's daughter to now being the keeper of the sheep, the keeper of a sheep. You know, being a shepherd carried a particular stigma for the Egyptians. And that's described for us. This stigma is described for us when Joseph was explaining to his father Jacob just exactly how the Egyptians viewed the shepherds. And that description that Joseph gave to his father Jacob is found in Genesis chapter 46, verse 34, where Joseph, who had been the prime minister, who was the prime minister of Egypt at that time, knew Egypt very well. And he said to his father in Genesis 46, 34, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. And here, when we read these words, Moses kept the flock. This means that Moses, who had been in in Egypt for 40 years and was considered like an Egyptian, this means that Moses was now doing the abominable job, as far as an Egyptian was concerned, the, the job of being a shepherd. So first of all, goes on to state, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. That means that Moses didn't even own these sheep. These, he didn't even, these weren't Moses' sheep. These were, Moses was just taking care of another man's sheep, which was his father-in-law, Jethro, his father-in-law. And so you think, here comes Moses from Egypt with all the riches that were going to be his. He was heir to the throne, and he had sheep unbelievable land unbelievable joseph had made sure that all the land of egypt had been turned over to the king during the famine times when he sold corn and now we see this person who was scheduled and who was on a track to gain it all he's now taking care of someone else's sheep the flock of jethro his father-in-law then verse 1 goes on to tell us that jethro was the priest of midian so this point that's emphasized here in verse 1, that his father-in-law was the priest of Midian, is written here that 10 verses earlier that this man was the priest of Midian. So it's a repeat. And keep in mind, this is Moses who was writing this book Exodus under God's instruction. But it's emphasized that he's a priest of Midian. So we have to keep in mind that it's like an autobiography. And so the fact that Moses states for the second time, time in just a few verses, that this man was the priest of Midian means that Moses is emphasizing to us that he was going through a humiliation. Moses was going through a humiliation. This is a humiliation for him, as he states that his father-in-law was a priest of Midian, which meant that he was not even a, well, of course, he wasn't a member of Moses' natural family, but this meant that Moses was serving a man who was worshiping and serving Idols, false god. Now, next we read in verse, th- uh, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. This phrase, he led the flock to the backside of the desert, it seems to be how Moses felt, like his life has been led to the backside of a desert. This is the lowest point in Moses' life. It's a very depressing place. You know, the desert's bad enough, especially that desert. And the front side of the desert is bad enough. But the back side of the desert, I don't even know how you get a back side of a desert, but this is how he describes it. The back side of the desert, that's like the worst of the worst. Now, you might look at this and say, well, God's finished with Moses. I mean, he's been put out with the trash. But you know what it says about people like Moses, it says in Psalm 37, 23 through 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Now, Moses was a good man, Moses was a good man. God chose Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and to bring the Jewish people as his own people unto himself. Now, God would only choose a good man for that job. So that means that these steps in Moses' life during these 14,000 days, during these 40 years of his life, were ordered by the Lord. And this verse further goes on to say that God delighted in the way that Moses was going through during these 14,000 days when he's on the backside of the desert. So if we're going to get on God's page, then we have to ask the question, why would God order for Moses to keep another man's flock, who's an idolater, and lead that flock to the desolate place of the backside of the desert? That's the question. God had a very important work for Moses to do. And you might have thought that at the time when Moses left Egypt that Moses was prepared. You might think that. You might say why? Because of what it says in Acts 7:22 where it says it speaks about Moses at the end of his first 40 years of his life when he left Egypt, this is what it says in Acts 7:22, very important verse. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So, what this means is that when Moses left the palace, when Moses was in the palace, Moses was number one, learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Moses was a highly educated man, he was versed in every aspect. Of Egyptian learning, and at that time Egypt was the leading nation for knowledge. it's number two, it says about Moses: Moses was mighty in words. Moses was a tremendous speaker. He was a tremendous orator. He had no problem speaking to great crowds. He was just plain eloquent. And number three, Acts seven twenty-two tells us Moses was mighty in deeds. Moses was an accomplished person. Tradition says that Moses was a tremendous, accomplished military leader in Egypt. Now, most would look at a man like he is described here, like Moses is described here, as highly educated, a good speaker, an accomplished military leader, as being ready And prepared to lead God's people out of Egypt. Most would think that, but God did not agree, and God did not think so. Because God saw, what God saw in Moses was not a man who was prepared and ready to lead his people out. God saw a person who was not ready yet to represent God. Now, what was the problem? Well, As an accomplished military leader, why wasn't Moses capable at this point for God, for the leadership position in God's service of leading out his whole people? Why wasn't he? As an accomplished orator, why, and here he has the most advanced education that the world could offer, why wasn't Moses qualified to speak for God? If Moses had applied for a secular job, he would have been snapped up right away with his top level of education, his experience. Moses was just the kind of person that companies would be looking for. In terms of education, Moses, he was like a person who graduated the top of his class from Harvard. In terms of accomplishments, Moses was a good military leader. He would be like Dwight Eisenhower or Schwarzkopf. As far as being an eloquent speaker, Moses was as good as Winston Churchill. And that statement about him that we read in Acts 22, Moses was learned in all the wisdom, it says, of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. That means that in terms of the world's standards, there was only one word to describe Moses, and that's the word Qualified. The world looks at Moses and says he is qualified. He is ready for the position. Looking at Moses' education, of his eloquence, of his accomplishments, the world says yes. The world says more than qualified. The world says passed. What was the problem? Just one problem. God didn't agree. When God looked at Moses at this point, Moses, as far as God was concerned, was not qualified. Moses, as far as God was concerned, failed. Moses, as far as God was concerned, needed more. And that's the key to the problem that we see in Acts 7.22. Moses was learned in all the wisdom, and these three words, of the Egyptians. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, What was wrong with the wisdom of the Egyptians? The wisdom of the Egyptians valued pride over humility. The wisdom of the Egyptians valued self-promotion over self-denial. The wisdom of the Egyptians valued taking credit for self over giving credit to another The wisdom of the Egyptians said that true value and true beauty lies within each person's soul and not outside the soul. The wisdom of the Egyptians said that man is inherently good and getting better and better and proving every day. And that man is not inherently evil and left to himself. They did not agree that if man was left to himself, he would become more wicked. The wisdom of the Egyptians said that a person should worship the seen. What is seen? The stars were seen. The sun was seen. Animals were seen. So they worshiped the seen, not the unseen God who made the stars and the animals and the sun and so forth. Now that was the wisdom of the Egyptians. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. See, the wisdom of the Egyptians was in conflict with the wisdom of God. The Bible looks at the wisdom of the Egyptians and calls that wisdom the wisdom of this world. And with its pride, with its self-promotion, with its bodily pleasures, with its giving credit and praise to self, with its belief that good is buried inside man, with its belief that man is inherently good, with its decision to worship the sea. That's the wisdom of this world. And the wisdom of this world teaches man that man needs himself and other man, and man does not need God. And he has two conclusions. God has two conclusions about the wisdom of this world. He calls it, as he looks at this wisdom of this world, he looks at it and he says, Foolishness! And he looks at it and he says, Vain! That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 19-21. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain, Therefore, let no man glory in men for all things of yours. So verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 3 gives a summary of what this world, wisdom of this world leads to. It leads to man glorying in men, either man glorying in self or man glorying in other men. Whereas the wisdom of God leads to man glorying in God. And the problem was that when Moses left Egypt, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And that problem was that when Moses left Egypt, Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians, but Moses was not learned in the wisdom of God. When Moses left Egypt, Moses was not learned in humility. Moses was not learned in self-denial. Moses was not learned in giving credit and praise to God. Moses was not learned in belief that evil is buried inside man. Moses was not learned that in the belief that man is inherently wicked. Moses was not learned in worshiping the unseen God. Moses was not learned in how much he needed God. So the problem is was that Moses had to be freed from being learned in all the wisdom of this world. And Moses had to become learned in all the wisdom of God. And Moses was going to get corrected god was going to correct moses and that's the same problem with us we come to the lord jesus christ and we've had all those years in being learned in the wisdom of this world like moses we've had years of being indoctrinated that pride is good take pride in yourself and that's pride is what the bible calls in first john 2 16 the pride of life Which is not of the Father, but as of the world. We've been raised to believe that self promotion is good, which is what the Bible calls in Acts 12 23, not giving God the glory. We've heard and we've been shown that bodily pleasures are pure, they're healthy. Which is what the Bible calls in First John 2:16, the lust of the flesh, which is not of the Father but of the world. We've been told that in order to build up self-esteem, we should give credit and praise to ourselves, which is what the Bible calls in Jeremiah 9:23, "The wise man glorying in his wisdom." The mighty man glorying in his might, and the rich man glorying in his riches. And that verse says that we are to not let any of those things happen. God calls all this giving praise and credit to self, he has a term for it, in verse Corinthians 129, where God says this is flesh glorying in his presence. And we've been instructed, we've been instructed That good is buried in man, which is what the Bible calls in Jeremiah 17, 9, being self-deceived by our own hearts, which the Bible says in that verse is our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But we've been trained that man is inherently good, which is what the Bible calls in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool. We've been led to worship the scene at the shrines of money and possession and all the academic shrines, etc., which is what the Bible calls in 1 John 2, 16, the lust of the eyes, which is not of the Father, but is of the world. And worshiping at the academic shrines, gaining more and more knowledge without the knowledge of God, is what the Bible calls in First Corinthians 8, 1, the knowledge that puffeth up. Now Moses, through the wisdom of this world, was corrupted with pride and self-confidence. And just like Moses, we, through the wisdom of this world, we've been corrupted by pride and self-confidence. And the problem is that when we come to the lord jesus christ when we came to the lord jesus christ we were not learned in all the wisdom of god a person who follows the wisdom of this world he may be highly esteemed among men but the lord jesus christ said in luke sixteen fifteen. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. And as with Moses, God wants to correct that problem in us. So the question is, what is God's way to cure us from the infection of the wisdom of this world and to infuse us with the wisdom of God? And God's way to cure us from the infection of this world and to put in us the wisdom of God is the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That children's song says it all. Now, living in the B-I-B-L-E, living in the Word of God is God's way to remove this infection from us of the wisdom of this world, and to replace it with the wisdom of God, which will keep us from being reinfected with the wisdom of this world. Now, with Moses, he had a deep infection with the wisdom of this world. And because why? Because he had been so long, 40 years. He'd been the top of the heap there and in, in being learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So a deep infection requires a severe treatment to remove the infection. You know, in our clinic in Mexico, the Scantabodies Imaging and Therapy Center, every patient who comes has two questions for the doctor who's prescribing the treatment, and they're gonna receive. The first question is, how long is the therapy gonna last? How long do they have to keep coming back? And the second question is, what is the therapy? It's the same, it's the same. All, All patients have the same question. Now, God, the great physician, has prescribed the best treatment for Moses to rid him of this infection of the wisdom of this world. And the first question is, how long is the treatment going to last for Moses? Well, it's given to us in Exodus 2.23, and it came to pass in process of days. So Moses' severe treatment, it lasted, as we said, for 40 years. It took God 40 years to clean out of Moses the wisdom of this world.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Now, Every Thursday and Friday, Tom Cantor teaches from the book of Exodus. And just as Moses wanted to go back and rescue his captive Jewish people from Egypt, God needs you to reach the lost Jewish people that are captive in this Egypt world around us. How can you do that? Well, Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries wants to help you by giving you a free gift to give to lost Jewish people that you encounter in your day-to-day activities out there. Maybe it's a doctor, a lawyer, a Jewish person that's a businessman, or maybe even just a neighbor, acquaintance, or co-worker. We've got a free gift to put into your hands, a Tom Cantor DVD and testimony booklet. Millions of copies have been given out around the world from Israel all the way through the United States and South America. Call us today. We want to give you a free copy, 1-800-247-3051, one 800 247 This free copy is going directly to you or it can be sent directly to them if you know their address. Just call us today. We can help you with that. As long as you'll give it to them, we'll send it to you for free or to them for free. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Again, you can also go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. We have an online page there where you can fill out the mailing information to have it mailed to you or mailed directly to them. So again, go to friendshipwithgod.org and fill out that page. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051.